You're listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Well, hey, good morning, everyone. Happy Pentecost Sunday. Uh, today uh, is Pentecost Sunday. In the last couple weeks, we've been kind of... Uh, the lectionary has been taking us into the steps leading up to Pentecost Sunday. The last couple Sundays, we've been talking about how Jesus has promised this uh, outpouring of the Spirit. Yeah, so Jesus, at the, end of, um, at the end of John and the end of Luke's gospel and at the beginning of Acts, we've been looking at these, his kind of the promise of sending the Spirit, right? The Spirit's going to be your comforter, your advocate. The Spirit's going to come alongside you. The Spirit's going to empower you. And so this is the day that that happens, right? That the Spirit is poured out. And so there's this event. And I think we're all familiar with this story, right? The, the, uh, John just uh, read it for us. Um, you know, the, the disciples are all gathered together in one place and a wind fills the place and these uh, kind of flames appear on their head and they begin to speak in different languages and it kind of spills out into the, out of the room and into the street and people are hearing it and they're obviously causing some kind of a commotion because people are like, man, these guys are they're drunk, right? This is some kind of party in the morning, right? How irresponsible. And Peter's like, no, no, we're not, we're not drunk. Uh, I did want to title this uh, sermon, We're Not As Think As You Drunk We Are. <laughs> it, it got vetoed by the production team, uh, but I, I'm preaching, so I get to say it anyway. Uh, so that's the unofficial title of this, of this sermon. Um, but yeah, it's, the, it's this um, spilling out, uh, the spilling over, right? That it's not just for the people who are in the room, but that it transcends kind of our spaces and our borders and our boundaries to include people outside of the room that we're in. Uh, this is a common theme. Um, this isn't the first or only um, kind of moment in Scripture where the Spirit gets poured out and it kind of bubbles over, it spills over, and includes other people. Um, and so we're going to take a look at first, uh, we're, we're going to come back to the, the Acts passage here on the day of Pentecost. But first I want to take a look at, um, at a passage in Numbers. Uh, so this is also from our lectionary text today. And before we, before we get to that, um, the message I want to kind of convey today is simple. Uh, I don't think it's complex. I don't even think it's necessarily anything that you all haven't heard, even frequently here at Oasis. These are the kinds of things that we talk about here. Uh, but I, I confess, I feel, um, I feel a, a heat on it today. It feels different today. Um, it feels, and it's partly because I feel like it's, it's certainly born out of the themes that we see in the lectionary texts. I think that that'll become clear as we walk through the scriptures that we have today. But it's also been born out of conversations that I've been having with folks here in Oasis. And it's also born out of the discussions we've been having on the Wednesday night Bible study, which have been so rewarding and um, mind-blowing for me. Um, I, I've, I've, I love the insight that we all kind of bring together. Um, but I feel a heaviness. I feel a heat on this today. Um, and so I'm going to try and do something I don't usually do. I'm going to try and be brief uh, because I think that I want to get to the part where we all carry the 
the words and the prayers and the songs of this sermon with us throughout the week. I want to get to the part where it comes up in random conversations seemingly serendipitously. And we say, well, that's actually funny. We talked about that on Sunday. I want to get to the part where we kind of chew on it and and wrestle with it. So um, without uh, further ado, uh, let's go to Numbers 11. This is verses 21 through 30. And um, this is happening kind of in the tent of the Lord, right, in the tabernacle. And it says, so Moses went out And told the people the words of the Lord, and he gathered 70 elders of the people and placed them all around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took some of the spirit that was on him, on Moses, and he put it on the 70 elders. And when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied, but they did not do so again. Two men remained in the camp, which is to say outside of the tent, right? Because you have, you have the tent, you have the tabernacle, and then you have the encampment all around it, organized by tribes. Uh, one was named Eldad, and the other was named Medad. And the spirit rested on them. They were among those registered, but they had not gone into the tent. And so they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses, Hey Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, son of Nun, we all know Joshua, right? Uh, The assistant of Moses, he's like Moses' right-hand dude. Uh, One of his chosen men said, My Lord Moses, stop them! But Moses said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit on them, on all of them, all of the people. And Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. So this is a hallmark, I think. There's two things here that seem to be kind of a pattern. They're a, they're a hallmark of when the Spirit moves, when God pours out His Spirit on folks. It seems to always transgress the boundaries of what we think it ought to be, right? We're all here in the tent. There's 70 of us. There was a registration right there, like Eldad and Medad were registered to be in the tent, but they weren't, I don't know, they signed up, but... They couldn't make it, I don't know. They were out in the camp. I know there's some kind of sign-up for it, I guess. I don't know. It always spills over what we think it ought to be or where we think it ought to go or who we think it ought to include. And the second hallmark is there always seems to be resistance from within, from us, saying like, no, 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 that, that, can't, that can't be right. Those people are outside the tent. Those people are out in the camp. Those people aren't us. They can't be included. And so the sermon in a sentence today, which I like to do, this is kind of the, the big point I'm trying to make. The outpouring of the Spirit is always going to go beyond what we expect or desire, and it is incumbent on us not to oppose it when it does. I'll say it again, sure. The outpouring of the Spirit is always going to go beyond what we expect or desire, and it is incumbent on us not to oppose it when it does. There's examples like this throughout all the scripture, right? God, uh, God's spirit empowers and delivers Moses and, and the judges and the prophets. And, uh, you know, God's spirit uh, comes on the school of the prophets and Saul kind of spontaneously prophesies, even though he's like, this is like at the depths of who Saul was, right? Like, but he, the spirit comes on him and he prophesies kind of in spite of himself, right? All of these events, as they kind of make up the Bible, right, as they happen in the Bible, they start to kind of become um, 
seen as foretastes or as kind of foreshadowing of a future day where God's spirit is kind of poured out in full, right? Uh, and this, this day becomes known as the great day of the Lord, right? Isaiah says this, um, uh, Amos calls it that, Isaiah calls it that, Jesus references back to those to kind of talk about this great day of the Lord, right? Joel, the prophet Joel, as a matter of fact, the prophet Joel is who Peter is quoting on the day of Pentecost, right? When he comes out and he's like, no, we're not as think as you drunk we are. <clears throat> he says, uh, Joel prophesied about this day. He says, in the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Everybody say, all flesh. All flesh. All flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show signs in the heaven above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone, everyone say everyone, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Spirit on all flesh, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Peter's confessing this by the Spirit. Moses' hope has become Joel's prophecy, has become Peter's proclamation. Except, I don't think Peter believed it. I don't think he meant it. Not fully, and not yet. Let me show you what I mean. We're going to take a look at Acts chapter 10. And this is, um, this is a long passage of Scripture, right? But this is after the day of Pentecost. Um, Peter has just uh, healed someone. He's in the city called uh, Jaffa, which is basically where modern-day Tel Aviv is. But the story starts not there where Peter is. The story starts in Caesarea, uh, Caesarea Maritima. We were actually there last year when we went to Israel. And so I'm, let me, I'm going to read this, and I'm going to kind of skip around because it's a lot of text, but I want you to see what's happening here. I want you to see how Peter's proclamation, right, Moses' hope becomes Joel's prophecy, becomes Peter's confession, right? He confesses by the Spirit, but now it's going to become his reality. Now he's going to actually, it's going to click for him. It's going to make sense. It's going to connect. In Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of the Italian cohort, as it was called. So he's a, he's a Roman commander, right, in the, in the army. He's a devout man who feared God with all his household, and he gave alms generously to the people and prayed constantly to God. So he's a very pious man. One afternoon, at about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he clearly saw an angel of God coming to him and saying, Cornelius... He stared at him in terror, because that's what we always do, right? That's, you see that all throughout Scripture, whenever, whenever there's this kind of theophany or this angelic uh, you know, uh, encounter, uh, fear is always what crops up in us, right? Uh, <clears throat> he said, what is it, Lord? And the angel answered, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa for a certain Simon, who is called Peter. He's lodged with Simon, a different Simon, who's a tanner whose house is by the seaside. And when the angel spoke to him and left, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from the ranks who'd served him. And he told them everything and he sent them to Joppa, right? So about noon the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. He became hungry, right? It's about noon, it's about lunchtime. 
He got hungry, and he wanted something to eat. And while he was being, while it was being prepared, right, while lunch was being made for him, he had a vision. He fell into a trance. He saw the heaven open up and something like a large sheet coming down, being lowered to the ground by its four corners, right? It's like a, think a picnic blanket, right? In it were all kinds of four-footed creatures and reptiles and birds of the air. Then he heard a voice saying, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I've never eaten anything profane or unclean. The voice said to him again in a second time, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times, this exchange, Peter, kill, eat. No, Lord. Peter, rise, kill, eat. No, Lord. (laughs) This happened three times, and the thing was suddenly taken up to heaven. Now, while Peter was greatly puzzled about this, uh, puzzled is kind of, the the translation there is kind of funny. Puzzled is kind of a soft word. It's like he, he um, he was troubled by it, right? He was fuming about it. He was like incensed. He was provoked, right? Here he's having this vision, ostensibly from God, saying, hey, eat this unclean food, this food that you've known and your, genera- your ancestors have known for generations. This is, you, eat it. And Peter's like, no way. That's against the rules. I know that. I know that. I'm a good Jew. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to eat this. Suddenly the men sent by Cornelius appeared. They were asking for Simon's house and were standing by the gate. And they called to ask Simon. And they said, and so someone came and got Peter and said, look, three men are searching for you. And so Peter went down to the men and said, I'm the one you're looking for. What's the reason for your coming? They answered Cornelius, and they basically told Peter, had a vision, an angel told him to come look for you. So Peter invited them in and gave them lodging. And the next day, he got up and he went with them, and some of the brothers and sisters from Joppa accompanied him. So Peter's not going alone. Peter's going with other Jewish believers, right? Brothers and sisters. And... He went and he met uh, Cornelius, and Cornelius fell on his feet and worshipped him, and Peter said, no, 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 don't do that. Uh, And he talked with him, and he found that many had assembled, so Cornelius has a whole bunch of people in his house. So Peter's there with his cohort, and Cornelius is there with his people in the house, and Peter's like, you uh, yourselves know, like, hey, I'm not telling you anything new. You guys know that it's improper for me, because I'm Jewish, to associate or to visit with a Gentile, and that's you. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone profane or unclean. Remember, this is kind of, like, I, I feel the discomfort with Peter here, right? Like, he's fuming, he's troubled by this, he's struggling with it. He's like, you know, I, Scripture says I'm not supposed to, but God's calling me past that, it seems, And so he follows the prompting of the Spirit, even to do what he believes, kind of marrow deep, is sinful, is unacceptable for him. So so when I was sent for, I came without objection. Now may I ask why you sent for me? And Cornelius replied, and he told him the story about the angel, that that he said, you know, go find Peter and listen to everything he says to you. And listen to this. This is kind of the, the... Pivotal moment here. Then Peter began to speak to them, and he says, Now I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every people, 
anyone who fears him and acts justly is acceptable to him. And then he begins to preach the gospel. He starts talking about Jesus having been betrayed and crucified and having uh, been resurrected and having now kind of affected this forgiveness of sins for anyone who believes. Now I truly understand, right? Remember on, on Pentecost, he said, all flesh. But he didn't mean all flesh until he gets to this point where he says, now I get it, all flesh. That means everyone. That means that there's not anyone who is disqualified from this. And he begins to preach the gospel. And let's skip down to verse 43. And he says, all the prophets testify about him. He's, this, he's talking about Jesus. And it says, while Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. And the circumcised believers, which is to say the Jewish believers who had come with Peter, were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. Crazy, right? This is, this is unheard of. This is unthinkable. Right? Remember last week when the disciples are asking Jesus, like, hey, remember, is, is now the time where you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus is like, you're still not getting it. I'm going to send you to not just Israel, but all of Judea, and not, all of Ju not just all of Judea, but to the ends of the earth. It's for everyone. It's for all flesh. And yet, Peter says, now I understand God is not a respecter of persons. And then the Holy Spirit descends on everyone, and they're astonished. And Peter says, can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And everyone's silent. No one objects. So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and they invited him to stay for several days. Moses' hope has become Joel's prophecy, has now become Peter's reality and our reality. Just as with Moses and the elders of the tent, the Spirit poured out and overflowed where they thought it was supposed to be contained. And, and, and it, was, it, was our, it was Joshua's instinct to say, no, 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 not them. Peter on the day of Pentecost says, all flesh, but not all flesh, Right? But Peter is gently, slowly, there's, whole, there's a whole eight chapters between Acts 2 and Acts 10 where Peter is, his boundaries are being expanded. And it's the work of the Spirit on us. One of the, not last week, but the week before, was the lectionary text was from the Gospel of John where Jesus is, Jesus is it's the last night, right? It's the night Jesus is about to be betrayed. And he says, he's kind of, giving this big download to all his disciples, right? There's like several chapters of it where he's telling them, he's kind of giving them like his last will and testament, basically. He's telling them all this stuff. And towards the end of it, he says, many more things have I to show you, but you cannot bear it yet. And then he promises the spirit. And he says, the spirit will lead you into all truth. God is patient with us, but it is always the work of the spirit to expand and to stretch our boundaries, our imagination for who and, and what and how the Spirit can move. Recent church history hasn't panned out much better. Uh, I am a Pentecostal. That's my upbringing. That's, my, that's, that's home base for me. 
Uh, that's the church tradition I grew up in. And I know that some of us have, share that, and I know there's a bunch of us that are from different church backgrounds, and I love that about us. Uh, Pentecostalism in America was started um, kind of in the early 1900s in Azusa Street. There was this revival that broke out, and it was led, um, it was led by a group of people uh, that was in turn led by a, a man named William Seymour. He was, he was a one-eyed black man, and it was in this little kind of shack, shanty of a building. It used to be a warehouse. There were horses in there, and so there were flies in there. And, I mean, people sat on boxes, and there was just, there didn't have any of the trappings that, you know, of, of, a, of a great church as we might imagine it. And yet, it was this kind of watershed moment in church history that started kind of the modern Pentecostal movement that I, that I find myself to be a part of. I want to show you a picture. This is the leadership of the Azusa Street Revival. Notice anything? It's a multi-generational, multi-racial, multi-gendered, multicultural group of people. There's like a little kid there sitting in front of an old man with a, with a white beard. And this, like so many moves of the Spirit, this is, you have to remember, this is in the middle of Reconstruction America. This is, this is uh, church is segregated. The world is segregated, right? Blacks and whites don't mix. And yet, the Spirit challenges exactly that. One historian and eyewitness said, the color line was washed away by the blood. And for about three years, it worked that way. Until eventually, uh, there was a split over the racial divide. There were people who were offended by the fact that this was a mixed meeting and that white people were being taught and led by black people. <clears throat> the Spirit will always stretch us beyond where we think we ought to go. And it is incumbent on us. It's essential for us, when that happens, not to resist it or to oppose it. Every move of the Spirit results in a breakdown of our dividing lines. And in these movements, the threat is not from outside of forces attacking us. It's from inside forces dividing. It's from inside forces saying, no, Lord, not, not them. Not that far. Not those people. This is exactly what Jesus got in hot water for, right? In, in, um, when Jesus is kind of inaugurating his ministry, he's preaching in Nazareth. It's his hometown. And he gets up and he reads from the scroll of Isaiah, Isaiah 60. And he says, you know, the spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach good news, to bind up the broken, to set prisoner, the, cap, the captives free, to proclaim, you know, the, the day of the Lord. And everyone's like, wow, yes, love it. I love that verse. I love this guy. This is our hometown guy. But Jesus says, hey, guess what? Um, in the day of Elijah... Uh, there were widows in Israel. But God sent Elijah to the widow in Zarephath, a Gentile widow. And there were, no, I'm sorry, that was Isaiah, I think. And I'm going to get it mixed up. Elijah was sent to, and he says, and there were lepers in Israel. But God sent the prophet to Nahum, a Gentile. 
So if you think that this day of the Lord from Isaiah 60, if all of the promises are for us on the inside and all of the warnings are for those on the outside, you got it wrong. And they're like, let's push them off a cliff. And they tried to do that. It offended their sensibilities so much that they tried to kill him. And yet, this is salvation history. God slowly, patiently, but steadily expanding our borders, expanding our imaginations. And so today, whatever obstacles there are for you to love and accept other people, the people that are outside of your tent, Jesus says, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out, cast it off. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. I'm telling you, whatever it is that's keeping you from loving and fully embracing people who are different from you, people who don't live a life like you, people who don't come from where you come from, people who think different from you, people who vote different from you, whatever it is, whatever that obstacle is, I'm telling you, cut it off and throw it away because it's better to enter into the kingdom with a spotty reputation than to miss it by the very arm's length we're holding others back by. If your value system is causing you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. If your political affiliation is causing you to sin, pluck it out, throw it away. If your national identity, your sexual ethics, your economic status, your racial ideology, whatever it is, is causing you to sin, cut it off, throw it out. It's killing you. And it's killing them. Cornelius might have been the most challenging person for Peter to learn this from. Peter is a Jewish man. And Cornelius is not only a Gentile, he's a Roman. And he's not just a Roman, he's a Roman soldier. And he's not just a Roman soldier, he's a Roman commander. This is his oppressor. This is the person who is causing all of the strife. This is the person on whom Peter could could very justifiably say, that's the cause of all my problems. If it wasn't for those people here, my life would be much better. And yet it's precisely Cornelius who gets sent to Peter. And so what I want to challenge you with today, what I want to warn you, prepare you for, is that not only is it incumbent on you to embrace people who you find challenging to embrace, it's precisely those people God's going to send to you. It's precisely that friction that God's going to use to stretch you, to invite you into this expanding kingdom. And you'll wrestle with it. You'll fume with it like Peter does. Peter, remember, he's troubled by it. It hurts. It's awkward. And in that moment, you might feel like you're being pulled in two directions. You might feel like on one hand, I want to I wanna love, I want to embrace, I want to be like Jesus. On the other hand, the Bible says, or on the other hand, I'm a this and there are that. Or on the other hand, I want you to know that those two forces that are pulling on you are love and fear. Fear is a stranger, like Carol said. Don't choose fear. Follow love. 
We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.